Okay. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Last week, I did a, a little lesson for us on Emmanuel, God with us, and that was kind of our Christmas service last week. So I thought, what am I going to share this week? Because, you know, it's not yet Christmas. You know, what I thought about Christmas time, I think about family. I think about your, you know, my wife, my kids, the environment, the extended family, the crazy uncles, right? And so I thought about, there's a lot of expectations that we have in our minds as we go into the Christmas season. I don't know about you, but my, I, have, I have certain expectations of what I want. And so when, when that happens, a tension is created in my home of what I expect and desire and what, and, and what I'm wanting to happen during this time. So I thought I'd focus a little bit about our marriages as we go into the Christmas season, just to make sure that we have the right focus going in. Because you know what Christmas does to people sometimes? You know, we shake the boxes like, is this what I wanted? And so, so the question I had is, how do I get focused on my spouse's desires instead of my expectation? You know, women, you know, you're, you're like, yes, Gio, talk about marriage and relationship. This is good. Well, let me give you a word picture, ladies, on how guys hate, why they hate this stuff. Men think of marriage the way you think about a car. Women don't want to maintain the car. They just want, they just want it to work with little or no effort. They want to get in and they just want it to work. This little light came out, I don't know what it meant. You know, I just want it to work. You just want to get in and drive. When you say, let's talk about our relationship, that's like him saying, you know, when he's in the car, mm, did you hear that rattle? What's that noise in the car? Like, mm, 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 mm. Something's off on the timing. <laughs> he's like, hmm, something's wrong with the car. That's what guys think. And you're, and you're thinking, yeah, so what? Turn up the radio. Who cares about that little bump? Who cares? He's like, something wrong. There's something wrong with the engine. And, you know, he's climbing around the car when he parks. He's trying to figure out the rattle. And you're thinking, good grief. He's like, let's look under the hood. Let's read the manual. You're like, why? I don't want it. To, I don't want to do that. And men are the same way with marriage. They don't want to work on it. They just want it to work. And so you have these two ideas coming together. So I know a man who was having a time with his adult son. And the adult son goes to the man and says, Dad. I want to get married. And the father says, say you're sorry. <laughs> Kid goes, what? Say you're sorry. Because why? Say you're sorry. Kid's like, tell me what I'm doing wrong, dad. I'm not just going to say I'm sorry. He's like, say you're sorry. <laughs> why? Just say you're sorry. Son goes, Dad, I'm sorry. And the dad says, your training is complete. <laughs> You're now ready for marriage. Amen. That is good training for all the single men and women in the room. And I know this is about marriage, but you're imagining, you're imagining what you're expecting on your wedding day too. If you're not married right now, you're thinking about your marriage. And we all can approach marriage with a box full of desires, dreams, wishes. 
of how we want marriage to be. So if you're single, you're thinking about it. You're imagining it. How we desire decisions are going to be made in, our, in my marriage, or my future marriage, or my current marriage. You know, my dad made a lot of decisions about my mom's knowledge. And I'd always, I'd always know about it because there was this big fight over money. My, I didn't know my dad used to gamble on football games. And my mom found out. Because she was like, what's going on with the money? And it turned out he was betting on games. And he's like an immigrant. Like, it's this NFL football American. He's like, and he was betting on games. I don't think he understood the concept of what football was, but he got caught up in the moment. Never took me to football practice, but somehow he's betting on football games. My dad would make a lot of decisions without my mom's knowledge or consent. He just did it. So, you know, when you go up and see that, you're going like, hmm, I like that. He's kind of like, that's how you react to it. And also the question about how money will be spent. You know, in every marriage, there's a thrifty and there's a free spirit. This free spirits are coming out right now. Everyone needs a gift. Got to have a gift. Online. And also the, the picture of how conflicts are resolved. You're imagining when I'm married, it's going to be, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, hugs. It's going to be awesome. Coco. It's going to be great. You know, you're imagining, oh, am I going to be the one that's going to put, let's just get everything on the table and talk about it. Let's just put it all on the table and let's just talk about it. Or maybe uh, I hold it inside, you know. I want to be sensitive. I don't want to hurt her or hurt him. Well, maybe it's healthy to raise our voices once in a while. I grew up, my dad raised his voice once in a while. My parents are married 49 years. Ain't nothing wrong wrong with a little raising of the voice once in a while. (laughs) Right? Oh, no, no, no. My parents didn't raise their voice. Shh, it's very quiet. They never fought. Their marriage lasted three years, but they never fought. (laughs) Maybe that. Or how about the marriage schedule? 5.30, 5.30, dinner's going to be ready at home. Everyone's going to be set. We're going to talk about how awesome our day was and connect. Seven-ish, they show up. How we're going to spend our, you know, our time together. Do I need time and space? When do we get time with the guys? That was my concern. My first year of marriage, I was like, when is it my time? When do I just get a break for myself? Do something for me. And all the ministers laughed at me. You know, I remember, you know, still, we split up the holidays in your marriage, you know. At first, we tried to do two turkeys in one day. Wow. Oh, my days. I, that's, when, you see, when you see old pictures of me in, in, in 2006, 2009, I was really heavy. That's what was going on. We were, eating, we were, we were just eating like crazy. Two, two Thanksgivings. You know, Christmas Eve in my parents' house. Drive home, be Santa Claus. Drive back to her parents' house. It was crazy. Then we finally told our kids, you know, I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I was like, thank God we're not driving as much. <laughs> and these things can, get, get, can, can create tension because there's a certain expectation you have about Christmas. And so I wanna, I'm just going to highlight some marriage principles along my topic of expectations. In Ephesians 5 verse 33, it says, however, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, talking to the guys. Love her as much as you love to fix things and love yourself. And the wife must respect her husband. Okay? Um, 
you know, what's, what's, really, what's really awesome is that we think about the, this desire that we have and how we're going to be treated in marriage and how I'll uh, be treated by our spouses, be treated by our children. You know, as, as, as older as my kids get, I'm noticing more and more how they tend to, they can mistreat my spouse. You know, they get, they get a little more, they have their own opinions and they, have, they want to say it the way they want to say it. And so I have to, I'm watching it intervening because there's an expectation that I want in our house of how you speak to one another. Um, you know, and we think about our marriages as we think about this concept about how I'm going to be treated. We have thoughts like, if she really loves me, she'll see the error in her thinking. It's not logical. That's the guy's side. And the girl's side, if he really loves me, he'll come over and say sorry and give me a big hug. That's what the girls think. However, each of us must, you know, love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Equally so, we want a, a marriage that works. And several things impact the way we desire and what we desire in marriage. You know, it's either what we see, we've seen in other homes as we're younger, what we've read in books, what we've heard in sermons, what you've watched on TV. Not a good picture of marriage, but what you see on TV. But, the, but, but for the most part, our picture of marriage are, is really our reactions in the environment in which we grew up at home or a previous marriage. And so we can react by trying to recreate them. Remember I tried this to recreate my, my view of what I experienced at home with my dad. First year of marriage. Sat down for dinner. And just sat there as Karen cooked. Karen brought me, was going to bring me food, my utensils, my drink. Refill my cup after I drank it. Because that's what I saw growing up. My dad didn't move. He just sat there and everything was brought to him. I said, marriage is going to be fantastic. <laughs> and I sat there and Karen is trying to serve me and I'm not, you know, and after dinner's done, Karen washes the dishes. That's what mom did. And so Karen told, told on me and, uh, and some married couples helped me out saying, you can't do that. That is not, that is not a healthy expectation. You have to give and serve. I said, what? What is this? Is this not the church? <laughs> I needed some help. Or we can react by trying to create something totally and entirely different to what our experience was growing up going, I didn't like the way mom and dad did it. I want to completely react and change it and do a different way altogether. And so, but at the center of all these things, at the center of marriage is I. That means you. That means me, I. When we go into marriage thinking with an I, we end up creating this picture that we have at the center of this, this desire, this imagining, this picture. Because I have no, no choice but to design it around my desire. It becomes an I marriage. And at the altar, you stated to your spouse, your desires. I will love you. Some of you guys want your personal vows. I'll love you. I'll always say sorry. You said some crazy things, right? <laughs> we said crazy vows, right? We were, but we we're saying, here's my desire. Here's what I want. 
And then your spouse said the same thing back to you. But they feel like expectations. And then these eyes collide. And who gets their desires fulfilled when the eyes collide? And so when these eyes collide, we can react in four different ways. One, we leave. This is not what I thought it would be. I'm leaving and we take the eye with us. I am going. I am leaving. That's one. Two is we conquer. We try to change our spouses to get her to be I. And we resort to the most proven and tried techniques. Nagging, yelling, bribing, and threatening. All the things our parents use effectively on us. And so we bring that into our marriage. I'm going to bribe you. I'm going to threaten work. I'm going to threaten. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to change you. That's the second thing. The third thing is we, we can conform. We become somebody we're not. The I won't be I, I'll be him. And on the surface, it looks quite good. Things look good. But eventually the truth surfaces and somebody's taken by complete surprise. God does not want you to be conformed into the image of your spouse. He wants you to be conformed to the image of him. And fourthly, we attempt to work out a compromise. Sounds good. And this works good for a little while. Just for a little while it works. But compromise is still about I. I will as long as you will. It leads to scorekeeping. It does not foster intimacy. It moves from covenant mode to contract mode. We do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And compromise stems from a commitment to marriage rather than a commitment to our partner. Compromise is really another way to be committed to I because I want my marriage to work. And so there are areas in our marriage that we eventually and have to deal with through compromise initially. But at some point, we have to move beyond compromise as a way of dealing with our differences. And so there's another option that I would like to present to you. I'm going to present it. I'm going to create the problem today, give you some solutions, but the solutions I'm going to do in about two weeks, because I'm not, I'm not going to be here next week. But I want to frame the problem in a way that will help you understand a solution that's better. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Wives, in the same way, I'm just peppering you with marriage principles. Uh, submit yourselves to your own husband as, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives and that they can see the purity and reverence of your lives. You can also take the inverse if there's a, an unbelieving wife as well. There's still a principle for that. So when we state our desires to our spouses and expect them to be met, 
what end, what you we, what you immediately create is a is a debt and debtor relationship. Someone who owes someone something. When we come into marriage and we and we institute a an expectation. An expectation is what you owe me, what I deserve, which I assume. When they meet our expectations, they don't get any credit. Well, after all, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Dinner here at 6.30, well done. House is clean, well done. After all, you are my I-wife. We can have an I marriage. This is why the mortgage company that you have or your landlord doesn't send you a thank you card with perfume on it with a gift card in there saying thank you for making your payment on time. This is why they don't send it to you. I don't get one. You want to know why? Because they are expecting me to do that. And they don't even say thank you because they're expecting it. So in this debt-debtor relationship, it reduces the opportunity for unconditional love. Because the essence of love is this. I am going to do for you because I want to, not because I owe you. I want to. And expectations remove the margin necessary for love to be recognized and appreciated. But expectations can change that. So what do we do? Because in a marriage of expectations, it destroys the opportunity for intimacy and romance. Meeting someone's expectation gets me to even. I can't even get ahead, and so eventually I end up wearing out. You know, one time Karen, I came home and Karen's like, what do you notice around the house? I looked around. And this is my initial reaction was honestly, I was like, what? <laughs> Did something break? Is there a crack in the wall? What happened? She's like, no, it's clean. I'm like, really? It's supposed to be clean. Because when I grew up in my house, my mom was like a, you know, she's a maniac. The house is always clean. She made my bed till I was 25. I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's the environment I grew up in. So when my spouse asked me, what's wrong with the house? I'm like, it looks the way it's supposed to look. Nothing's broken. And then Karen's in tears. And I'm like, what is the, what, what did I say? What, what, what's, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. This is happening in my life. Like, what, I didn't, did I yell at her? Did I say it wrong? What happened? This is what happened. I did not realize what I brought into my marriage was an idea that I expect certain things. And it, it hurt the intimacy and the romance because it was all about expectation. No thank yous. You know, the women can expect the men to spend time with the kids. And when he doesn't, it it's, maybe sometimes it's not enough. Changing diapers. Spending time with them. But they can't even talk yet. Hang out with them. But what am I going to say? He does not say anything back. 
just sharing you the insight in my character. I'm like, they don't, they don't talk yet. Here you go. Give him back to me when he talks, and then we can have a conversation. No, it wasn't that bad. I tried to feed at night. Karen's like, you're useless. Get, go to bed. I was like, I mean, he didn't get fed. I tried. I tried. Karen's like, get out of here. Just go to bed. And behind these expectations are legitimate, legitimate God-given desires. I mean, they're, they're, you, you have certain desires you want. I mean, you were born with a desire to be, have a companionship, be respected, accepted, intimacy, love, understood, someone to cry with, laugh with, pursued. These are some of the things that you've desired. God-given, you want them. And what happens is these desires turn into expectation. And then we flip the atmosphere at home. I expect you to be pursued. I expect to be pursued. You used to take me on dates. You used to give me a flower. You used to write me cards. Yeah, because I was trying to, you know, I was trying to get married. I'm married now. Forever. <laughs> and women are like I expect to be pursued say nice things I, I've, I've come a long way when I notice a change when Karen, when Karen asked me like what's, what, what do you notice differently about me I, I, my staple is like I love your hair <laughs> that's a pretty safe answer because in case she did sound like I love the hair I try to take notice of what is different like Oh, she, oh, she combed her. It's, I love your hair. The house looks nice. <clears throat> Thank you for dinner. Thank you. Now it's magnified because my kids read my reaction to see how grateful I am, and they, they, they kind of mimic my heart. That's what ends up happening is, you're, is my kids like, boom, boom, yeah, you pick up my plate. No, you, you can get it and go serve. You know, I... I now my dad, you know, I, I know I shared the scary story, but my dad washes dishes. My dad no longer sits there and waits. He, he actually tries to serve and help out. I mean, it's amazing. And I'm like, Dad, you know, what happened? He's like, you have to change, Gio. You have to change. <laughs> it's awesome, Dad. Put your hand on your nose and, I'm gonna, and put your hand on your thigh. And one day you're going to go down. Don't worry, Pop. You're on the right road. <laughs> We, we have this expectation of like the house should be clean versus thank you for taking the time and the energy of cleaning the house. When you have kids, you really appreciate a clean house because you, know you know what those kids can do. And, you know, and, and being understood because you desired it to be understood. And when we go, when we go to the expectation, we create this, this de debtor relationship. So we have to move the box. We got to take things out of the expectation and into the desire box. And so here's how you know when you've shifted from expectation to desire. Here's how you know. Number one, the way you express gratitude. If you rarely express gratitude for things that we come to expect, that's when you know you've shifted over. Thank you for dinner. 
Thank you for parking the car straight. Thank you for loving the kids. Thank you for waking up every morning next to me. Right? If I, if I walked up to you and gave you 100 bucks, you'd be like, oh, thanks, Gio. Why? Because it was a surprise. It was an unexpected surprise. Do you know why we, we never say thank you to, your, to our spouses for normal things? Because we expect them. And we take them for granted. That's what we do. That's how we know we switch boxes. And when, we, when you complain about something not getting done, but rarely thank them when it does, you're operating off of expectation rather than, rather than desire. And that's what happens in marriage. The second thing how you know it shifted is our acts of service. When I see something that needs to be done and I do nothing about it because I expect someone else to do it. I know the kitchen's a little messy. I know I know it needs to be clean. But I'm going to walk right past it and go to my office. Because I want somebody else to do it. That's how I know when I shifted from desire to expectation. I've made the jump. When the coffee maker has old coffee in it. Okay, I'll do it. Because I want the coffee, right? Karen doesn't drink coffee. That doesn't count. When I see things that need to be done, I want to do them. Out of, out of my love. Out of the desire that I want to express my thankfulness. Even though I didn't, may I not created the mess. So we have a tendency of pulling things from this box to this box. So as we go into the holidays, think about what box that you think you're operating from. And the simple things. You know, when, they, when the wives go Christmas shopping, drive by a parking lot of the mall this week. Man. So I, I, I think many of us, we walked up to the altar with desires and we walked out the door with expectations. And to experience what God has in mind, you've got to put some things back in the box, the desire box. Take them out of the expectation box. And all the thing that will, the thing that will keep us from doing this, will stop us from doing this, from switching the boxes, is I. I'm afraid if I do that, he won't be, or she won't be, and there's fear. I won't get what I need, therefore I won't be happy. But you can't, I mean, you can really, but it's going to hurt you. You can live in that box, but he creates the dynamic I described. Or you can live in this box. I desire. And so these are the things that I want to leave you with as you enter the next two weeks of the holiday season. The most important gift you can ever give your children. The most important gift you can give to them. 
is a great marriage. Not something that comes in a box. That'll make him temporarily happy. But what will truly make him happy is seeing a great marriage unfold. My mom and dad have been married 49 years. I'm going to see them. I don't know how they did it, but I am amazed. And I'm going to tell my dad, I'm amazed of the changes you've made. What's that? My dad's not a religious man. My dad's not a churchgoer. But he knew one thing. You have to change. And he told me that. You have to change, Gio. As that father told his son, just say you're sorry. For what? Just say you're sorry. There are some things that I need to be humble about instead of trying to be right about. Because I can be right and not be humble. But then I move the box. I'd rather be humble than right. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Enjoy your afternoon. And God be with you.